Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, welcome to the First Baptist Church in the hills of Massachusetts, Western Massachusetts, we like to appreciate you uh, watching, tuning in wherever you may be. We appreciate that. We started to study uh, a new book. Well, it's not new, because it's been around for a couple of thousand years. But it's new to us here at the First Baptist Church. First Peter, and then Lord willing, we'll go on to his second letter. So um, let's read the first six verses, just to remind ourselves. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. For through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And these have come so that your faith of greater worth in God, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. May God give us understanding and may he bless us by his word this morning. Amen. Let's have a little word of prayer. Again, Father, we do thank you for your word. It's the only thing that we can believe to be true. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And we pray this message will edify us, the saints, and uh, bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Entitled this message, Peter's First Letter, A Living Hope. So um, I want to, in the way of review of this introduction of the first letter, to remind us, uh, those of us that were here, and we were short that, that Sunday, 
and inform those that didn't have the opportunity to hear it the first time, we began to study Peter's first letter by introducing who Peter was and uh, why he wrote this letter. We know he was one of the main leaders in the early church, like I said before, Jesus' right-hand man, so to speak. Before he became a follower of Christ, we know his profession was that of a fisherman. His given name was Simon until Jesus gave him a new name, Peter, which you may remember means rock or stone. The purpose of writing this letter was to encourage those believers that were suffering a great amount of persecution and hardship to, for them to keep on living a godly life regardless of the struggles that they were going through and the trials that they were experiencing. To keep on keeping on regardless. Keep believing in Jesus Christ. Our faith will be tested to see if it's genuine or not. Amen? Have you experienced that yet? So in verse 1, he begins by announcing not only who he is, but what he is. An apostle. An apostle. And I personally do not believe there's any apostles today. There were initially, originally, in the early church. Some of you uh, may remember, those that take notes, they've got a perfect memory. What is an apostle? An apostle is a person, a man, who's been appointed by Jesus Christ himself. He must have seen the risen Lord Jesus. And number three, he has to have all the apostolic gifts of the Holy Spirit. That would include being able, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to heal the sick to cast out demons and to raise people from the dead. You know any people like that that can do that today? No. So there we go. Now we know what an apostle is. Is M.O., if you like to say that. Don't know what that means, but anyway, we'll move on. Peter was writing to God's elect. Who were they? Well, where were they? They were scattered, it tells us there, the five different areas in Asia Minor at that time, now we know to be part of the nation, the country of Turkey. The majority of people that Peter was writing to were Jewish Christians, Jews that had been saved through Christ. And that's the only way you can be saved, amen? Jewish exiles scattered abroad, had to leave their homes because of the persecution they were suffering under the Roman authorities led by the lunatic Emperor Nero. Like I said before, anti-Semitism is not something new. It's existed for thousands upon thousands of years because the devil hates the Jewish people and he hates everybody who's ever been born because he hates God. He particularly hates God's chosen people, the Jewish people, and he stirs up people to inflict awful things upon them. 
and the hatred that spewed out against them. And that's happening today in our time as well. And will continue until the Lord returns. Peter's writing to God's elect. We explained who God's elect are. If you become a Christian, if you are born again, then you are elected. It's that simple. He says that we've been chosen. We're a chosen generation. According to what? The foreknowledge of God. Only God knows the future. Nobody else does. Well, we know where we're going if we're saved. So in a way, we do know the future. Amen. But we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, do we? If you do, let me know, because I, I would like to know. I can't wait. We are chosen generation according to the foreknowledge of God. God knows everything. Every single thing. He even knows how many hairs we've got on our head. Some have more than others. So, it's like a lot of them, they just shave it off now. Fair enough. I don't have that problem, thankfully. This is not a rug. This is for real. Oh dear, it's nice to be back. It's really good to be back. Oh, it's about choked on that. <coughs> Went down the wrong hole. <coughs> how, can be, how can we be elected? Through hearing and the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. How do I know that? Well, the Bible tells me. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. That's how we get faith. Amen? So God chose this method for all condemned sinners, and we're all natural-born sinners that need to be saved. God uses the method to receive faith in Christ through the hearing, the teaching of the word of God, the reading of the word of God. So we can be saved from judgment, eternal separation from God, and hellfire. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 1.21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. You cannot know God through worldly wisdom or philosophy. Amen? Did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe so god's not like i said at doris's funeral god's never made any robots we have a free will either to believe the message or to reject the message it happened in jesus time with those religious leaders they rejected his message they exercised their free will amen they didn't believe him and consequently, majority of them remained in their sins and were not saved. But there were a few smart ones, Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, and others that believed Jesus' report, believed him, and that's how a person becomes saved. They believe what Jesus said. Amen? Because he always told the truth. He is the truth. It was impossible for him to lie because he is God. Amen? All right. I'm glad you agree. So in order to be saved, they must believe. Do you believe? Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe the word of God? 
In order to be saved, you must believe it. It's that simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Isn't that what Paul told the Philippian jailer? Yeah. That's it. It's that simple. According to the foreknowledge of God. God knows the beginning from the end. He knows exactly when a person will hear that gospel message. It may take a while for it to penetrate, but God knows exactly when that person receives his son as saviour. And he knows exactly when they don't. Because God knows everything. Amen? According to the foreknowledge of God. And then we, once you uh, believe that message, we receive the Holy Spirit. We are regenerated. We are born again. We're born naturally from our mother's womb. And then we are born again supernaturally by the Spirit of God. It says that through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. So sinners can become saints. That's what being sanctified means. You don't have to die to become a saint, like certain religions that will tell you that. How? For obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood. If he never shed his blood in order to wash away our sins, we could not be saved. That was the purpose that he came. But we have to obey Jesus Christ and the message to be saved to repent and be born again. And a sinner can only become a saint for obedience to Jesus Christ and the message preached. And the moment that happens, a person who believes in their heart what Jesus did for them on that cross by, as Peter said, the sprinkling by his blood. Not just a sprinkling, it was a bloodbath. It was horrendous. He was unrecognizable. He was beaten so badly. You couldn't, you couldn't tell who he was. They'd worked him over so bad. Those Roman soldiers, they were experts in that field. Brutal. Brutal. And we'll be remembering that shortly when we take communion. The moment... A spiritually dead sinner accepts and believes that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again to save them. They become a new creation. Through the sanctifying work, Peter says, of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's God that does it. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. God did it. Amen? It's what God does. That's what he does. Being born again through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And he continues. And now, he said, grace. Grace and peace. Be yours. It is ours. Do you feel it? Do you know it? Peace and grace is yours in abundance. Jesus says, I came to give them life and give life more abundantly. Are you living the abundant life? Regardless of our problems and our pain and our suffering and our troubles? We can. 
This is why Peter's writing, to encourage these believers in his writing. It's just as relevant today as it was when he wrote it. It's to encourage us. Are you being encouraged this morning? Are you being encouraged and built up in the faith? Grace is yours in abundance. Let's appropriate it. Amen? God shows both mercy and grace. Remember what I said. I explained. Mercy withholds God's punishment that we do deserve. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We deserve hell. And you people watching, you know, we Christians don't believe we're any better than you are if you're not saved. We're natural-born sinners that have received Christ as our Savior and born again. But we're still sinners. We've still got that old nature. We don't think we're any better than you are because we're not. If we think we are, then we're fooling ourselves. Amen? Amen. Mercy withholds God's punishment that we deserve. We do deserve how. But here's the good news. Grace, God's grace, he gives his blessings that we don't deserve. We deserve punishment, but God gives us the grace we don't deserve. Amen. God chose to cancel our sin debt that we owed by Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. He was our substitute. We deserve to be punished for our sins, but we don't have to be now. Thank God. We need to remind ourselves about these things. It's not it's just one thing to know it up here. We need to know it experientially. It happened. It's, it's a done deal. We don't have to go and be separated from God for all eternity. We can spend our, our entire everlasting life praising and worshipping God and loving him and loving others that are there. We're going to recognize all those that have passed on, like Doris and others. We'll recognize them. We talked about that yesterday, didn't we, in the message. Explained about heaven and what it's like. Because people need to know. And the best time to preach the gospel is at funerals. Because you've got people there who would never darken the door of a church but they go there to pay their respects. What a better time to present Christ to them that at a funeral and hope and pray that the seed that was planted would germinate in good ground and people would be saved. Amen? So, then Peter goes on. That's the first two verses. In verse 3, Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his mercy, again, that word, he has given us, done deal, new birth, or your version may say being born again, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Living hope. It's not a dead hope. We have a living hope. 
that Peter's writing about. It's the gift from God that we can have, that we do have. Even in the midst of pain and suffering, we can still be filled with joy. Now that's an oxymoron, isn't it? I'm not saying it's moronic, I'm saying it's an oxymoron. Even when you're suffering pain and suffering and hardships and trials and worries and problems and the cares of the world, we can still be filled with joy. Only a Christian can experience that. And you unbelievers out there, you can experience it if you receive Jesus. You receive fullness of joy. That's like Doris, member of this church. She's in the presence of the Lord where there's fullness of joy. And we'll experience that too, but we can also experience it on earth, regardless of our problems and our worries and our difficulties and pain. We all suffer in one form or another. You know that. But we can still experience God's joy in the midst of it all. Therefore, Peter says, we can praise God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because he's the only one where we can obtain that joy through receiving Jesus as our Saviour. God never has a bad day. (laughs) God never has a bad day. (laughs) Peter says, think about this. God's great mercy. He has given us new birth. New birth. New birth in Christ is the result of God's great mercy. You know, the gift of his kindness, his benevolent mercy and grace that he gave us. He gave us his son. The best gift that anyone could give. When we were helpless to do right, we were helpless to do right and fix our wrongs. We had no power to do right. But once you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the abundance of power. 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 Wonder-working power in the blood, in the blood. We can do right, so then we don't have any excuses to live in sin. Like we did before, we were ignorant. And we didn't have the power to change. We have the power. Now there's no excuse for us. Amen. We have the power. We can keep God's commandments now. Whereas before, we could not. We didn't have the power to keep them. Not in our own strength, but by appropriating the power of God who lives in us. Amen. That's tremendous. Salvation is a gift from God, not something we deserve, not something we we earned, not something we could produce on our own. So therefore, we cannot take any credit. We give God the glory. 
To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son. You know the rest of it. We haven't got time to finish. Well, we do, but we've got to get on with it. Now, when we become Christians, we have the living hope. We have a living hope. Before, we had no hope. Outside of Christ, there is no hope. But in Christ, we have a living hope. It's alive, you see, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If he hadn't died and buried and rose again, we wouldn't have a living hope. We'd have no hope. Those of you outside of Christ, you have no hope unless you receive the living hope, Jesus Christ. You'll only find hope in him, a living hope, not a dead hope, because God is living. Jesus is alive. He rose again from the dead, amen? And you can receive his spirit. If you believe, Christians have a living hope, regardless of what happens, regardless of the circumstances that we face, our trials, our struggles, our pain in this life. Our Saviour is alive and he lives. He lives in us. We have a living hope, not a dead hope. Jesus said, well, John said, 1 John, his first book, whoever has the Son, capital S, O-N, not U-N, small s, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So if you're not born again, you don't have... The living hope, you don't have life. You don't have everlasting life. You're dead, spiritually, even though you're living in this mortal body. So you need to be born again, to be made alive. Amen? Peter said we have a tremendous inheritance. We're children of God. Some of you have got children. Some of you are spending their inheritance. Denise and I are spending our children's inheritance. <laughs> Any left over, they can have it. We've all got an inheritance. If we're Christians, we've got an inheritance from God. Peter says that, verse 4. An inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade, an inheritance kept in heaven for us. That's our destination. You ever feel like you're a fish out of water? That you don't belong here? That's because we don't. It's not our home. We're not home yet. Doris is. She's more alive now than she ever was. Now knowing and you ought to know you have an inheritance. It should give us hope for each day and every day. And we have something to look forward to. 
a wonderful future in the promised land, in heaven. That's our destination. And we don't know when we're going to leave this world. I might not be here next Sunday. You might not be. I hope you are. I certainly hope I am. But you never know, right? But then, absent from the body and present with the Lord. So don't mourn after me. You don't need to wear black. You can wear a lovely brown suit with a black waistcoat if you like. And that's just the women. Anyway, let's carry on. And I'm almost finished, honest. Because those announcements went on for at least 15 minutes. So I've got to make up for the lost time. So don't blame me. Verse 5 carries on. He's trying to encourage the believers who through faith, that's us, are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. What does he mean? We are protected and shielded by God's power. Now, but our spiritual inheritance doesn't shield us from pain and suffering in the meantime. All right? But in spite of our suffering, Peter says rightly in verse 6, the final verse, by the way, for now, in all of this you greatly rejoice. And they were going through tremendous pain and suffering that we have no conception of in the 21st century, my friends. In all this you greatly, Christians, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And they were. This is why he wrote to them, to encourage them. Rejoice doesn't mean continually being happy-clappy, you know? Or denying the reality of pain and suffering in this world. We'd be a fool to deny it because it exists. But we can have a spiritual joy, knowing that what Jesus has done for us, God has given us peace on earth, hope for tomorrow, hope for today, hope for tomorrow, and a bright hope for the future, where our inheritance is in our home in heaven. Thankfully, our suffering, as Peter says, in verse 6, for a little while. See, you might not be like our matriarch, our blessed matriarch, Sarah Lerman, and, and live. She corrected me this morning. I thought she was 97. I put two years on her. She's not that old. Hopefully we all lived, you know, Doris there. And you people don't know who Doris was, but we know who she was, a member of our church for many, many years. 91. She had a good innings, right? But we may not get that far. My mother wanted to make 90, and she was, re well, she was ready to go. 
but she was hanging on until she made 90, and then she went. But I know where she went, and I'll see her again. See? I'll see her again. I'll see Doris. I'll see your relatives that used to be here but are no longer. And so will you. They're waiting. They're waiting for you. Not too soon. <laughs> so let me close. Let me conclude. What Peter is doing here in these short verses is contrasting our temporary problems here on earth compared to our eternal inheritance in heaven. Our suffering, Peter says, will come in all kinds of trials. But we need to remember when we're going through those trials that nobody suffered more than Jesus Christ. Amen. He had to suffer before he went to glory. He didn't receive the crown of glory without first receiving the crown of thorns. And neither were we. Despite the tremendous suffering on earth, he remained faithful to God the Father until the end of his life. And then he rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, the great high priest. Despite Jesus' tremendous suffering, he remained faithful. Are we going to remain faithful till the end of our life, despite our pain and suffering, like he did? Likewise, our commitment to remain faithful to God, even during times of suffering, what does it prove? It proves our genuineness, the genuineness of our faith in Jesus Christ. Those trials and those testings will prove the genuineness of our faith in Jesus Christ, regardless of the circumstances. Amen? Amen. By his grace, let us remain faithful to the end, regardless of what we go through in this life. Amen? Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we're so thankful for your word. Thank you for explaining it to us and making it clear, I hope. Thank you for the apostle Peter. And we know Peter, like all of us, have our problems and none of us are perfect and humble. I wouldn't say he was humble before he became a, a Christian, but um, a humble fisherman whose life was transformed when you said, 
to him, one day, follow me. And later on you said, you know, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And what a tremendous servant he became. And uh, it's believed that Peter was crucified and uh, requested to be crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy to be crucified as his Lord was. Lord, we thank you for reminding us, regardless of the trials and the suffering, that we can have a living hope, an inheritance that's waiting for us in heaven, and peace on earth in the meantime. And we give you the thanks, the praise. And people, I want you to, I hope those that are you to heard this message would take it to heart and simply Come to Christ and be saved. Believe the message that Jesus loved you enough to die for you, that he paid the sacrifice, he, he took the punishment that you deserve. And he did that because he loves you, is willing to do it. And if you simply believe what he did for you and that he died, he was buried and he rose again from the dead. If you really believe that in your heart, then you shall be saved and you'll, you'll never be the same again. It, it'll, in fact, you'll be a million times better than what you have now. I hope and pray that you do. Simply believe and call upon the name of the Lord. You shall be saved. That's the promise. Amen. Well, amen. Well, thank you so much for listening. We love it and hope to uh, meet with you again soon. God bless you. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Coleraine for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Coleraine, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.